0: Hi team, Coach Pete here and I'm back for another episode of my podcast. So today's topic is something I've been meaning to talk about for quite a while. Uh, so as a personal trainer, obviously there's a strong relationship between exercise and nutrition. And it's something I've always, to be honest, always struggled with to some extent because I find it quite a, a deep and confusing topic in the most part. And my experience has been working with people that people often are looking for a bit of a quick fix, I guess, where they really just, again, it's been my experience. that A lot of people would like me as a trainer to provide them with like uh, diet sheets in terms of like planned meals and this is what you should eat and stuff like that. And to be honest, everyone, what I've learned is people are just too individual. Uh, and it doesn't always work like that. I mean, you may have a really good diet or you may have good nutrition. But there's so many things behind the scenes as to how your body actually deals with your food that uh, I've decided to change my approach in recent years. And that's why I'm, I'm here talking about insulin. So rather than talking about uh, things like protein, protein has X amount of calories or it's broken down in such a way, I'm actually going to talk about what your body does once these nutrients come into your bloodstream. Uh, and I'm going to talk about insulin because it's one of those hormones which I believe if you... If you've got a good knowledge of it and you understand what it does and why it does it it will probably influence you to actually make some good changes to your nutrition anyway at least that's been my experience so what i'm going to do is just talk about some of the basics about insulin here and then i'll try my best to talk about uh, how your body actually deals with sugar and the relationship between type 2 diabetes uh, sugar and obesity so these are some basics here about uh, where insulin comes from and how it's produced. So insulin is a, it's a hormone, it's a peptide hormone. And that means that it's a hormone whose molecules are made from peptides. And peptides are essentially these broken down proteins. Uh, and it's uh, produced in your pancreas. Now your pancreas is an organ which is part of your digestive system. And it is located behind your abdomen. Sorry, in your abdomen behind your stomach. And what the pancreas does is it secretes insulin. And to be specific, there's a particular type of cell or cells within your pancreas called beta cells. And these cells, if everything is healthy, these are very sensitive to glucose in your bloodstream. So when we detect the presence of glucose, they will secrete insulin. And the reason they do that is that insulin, essentially for layman's terms, it helps transport that glucose or sugar to where it is needed. Uh, So it really helps regulate your metabolism and it helps the metabolism, particularly of carbohydrates and sugars, but also proteins uh, and fats. Uh, And essentially what it does is it will transport or uh, promote the absorption of glucose from your blood to essentially one of three different places. Uh, It could take it to your liver where it might be stored as fat or sugar for use for later on to be broken down as fuel for later on. Or it could be stored in your fat cells and what would happen there is that the glucose from your blood would be taken to your liver, converted to fat and then stored in your fat cells. Or some of that fat could actually still be stored within your liver. Uh, or it could be transported and stored within your muscles uh, as a substance called glycogen. So just to kinda backtrack a bit here, your liver is essentially like an organ which converts glucose to a type of fat or a different type of sugar which can be stored in the body for use later on called glycogen. But it can also do the opposite. It can also take the type of fat and convert it into glucose for fuel as well. So it can convert from either way, depending on the needs of your body. But for the most part here, when I'm talking about insulin, I'm really talking about the body uh, grabbing onto glucose and taking it through your liver and then storing it as fat or taking it to the muscles to be used as fuel or storing glycogen in even the muscles or liver for fuel to be used later on. So, like a savior, when you consume sort of glucose or sugar or even some sort of carbohydrate, uh, which ultimately your body will, through its processes, break it down into sugar, which then circulates in your bloodstream, those cells, beta cells in your pancreas will secrete insulin and they'll grab it and take it to where it needs to go. So that's assuming everything is healthy. So let's take a, a scenario here. Say you've been at the gym and let's say you're in the middle of a weights workout and things are working quite intensely and you bought yourself something like a Gatorade which is marketed as a sports product. So what would happen is you would drink that and assuming that everything is ticking along healthy, your body will take that, it will quickly digest it, it gets into your bloodstream, and that, the sugar from the Gatorade, will be transported uh, via the insulin into your working muscles. It will take it to the muscles where it's then uh, essentially used as fuel So that that would be an ideal outcome where that sugar comes in and it's then just reused as fuel and you've expended energy. That doesn't always happen unfortunately because another scenario is that you could be sitting in front of your telly, I don't know, watching Netflix binge watching something, sipping in a big can of Coke, haven't done any exercise, you drink it, your body might not have any need to use it as fuel. So then it's starting to think to itself, okay, I may store it for later on, in case there's a need to produce, or have fuel reserves for later on. And that's where things get a little bit squirrely. So, what it may do, is, I will do to an extent, it will take some of that sugar, run it through your liver, and again, this is a fairly good outcome. It will convert it to that uh, glycogen, which is essentially the body's stored sugar reserves, and it will pump it into your muscles And it'll leave it there, it'll be stored within your muscle cells for a later date to be used as fuel for exercise later on or fuel activity. Or some of that glycogen could be stored in your liver where it's also a bit of a reserve to then maybe be converted into uh, sugar for fuel later on. But what is most likely going to happen is if you're sitting on your couch watching Netflix, not doing anything, sipping your can of coke. Is that that sugar will be taken to your liver, converted to fat through a process called uh, lipogenesis, and then stored in your fat cells. Uh, And that is essentially, uh, in the layman's terms, how we store fat. uh, Why people get fat is that there is an excess uh, energy coming into your body. Now, it's not always sugar. Uh, It could then, if you're eating too much protein or too much fat, it would also be ultimately broken down. It could be ultimately broken down and stored as fat. But how I like to think about things, again, I'm just kind of coming off topic a bit here, is if you think about how we've evolved as humans, uh, we've essentially get the same hardware, the same bodies, and as we had 10, 20, 30, 40, God knows how long, but tens of thousands of years ago, our bodies haven't really changed very much, but the environment we live in has radically changed. And the types of foods we now consume compared to what our ancestors would have had available when we originally evolved with all these uh, different uh, metabolism stuff, it's vastly different. So if you take your average, I don't know, let's think hunter-gatherer, living maybe 30,000 years ago, uh, what are you gonna eat? I mean, you might be lucky and kill something and then you can get some nice uh, animal fat or some proteins if you cook your meat in the fire, your body, Can eventually absorb that use that as fuel as well and that's a hard task to ask your body to do that it's not very efficient Uh, if you were super lucky you might find some berries or some sort of ripe fruit and if you're really really lucky you might find something like honey that's probably be the sweetest thing you could find and that's really what we have evolved to deal with we haven't evolved to be eating a lot of refined sugar I mean it's so accessible these days and a lot of it is hidden as well. A lot of it is uh, in foods without really being aware of it. I mean, it depends uh, where you buy your foods, but even things like bread, I've seen with a lot of sugar in it or sauces and just a lot of, a lot of products you wouldn't even think of it have sugar. So it might pay just to check at the back of the labels. Uh, and after you've listened to this whole podcast, I'd like to think that you're, you'd be influenced to make a good determined effort to reduce your sugar intake. But going back to hunt hunter-gatherer, if you're living like uh, how we used to live with the same bodies, which we still have, you wouldn't really get exposed to much sugar. It would be a bit of a treat, it'd be a bit of a novelty. So your body, like it hasn't been, hasn't evolved to handle a lot of sugar. That's it. That's the takeaway from that. So back in the day, back whenever it was, uh, ten thousand years or however many thousand years ago. You wouldn't really get an opportunity to see many fat people, I don't think, because it'd almost be like living from feast to famine, where you'd maybe catch something, or you'd be lucky enough to uh, have a stockpile of fruit or something, or grains that you can tap into. And the chances of you really getting your hands on some sugar would be pretty slim, and when you did, you know, it'd be a bit of a novelty as well. So, takeaways, your body is not designed to handle the sugar, which we are now exposed to. So... What's happening these days is that we are being subjected to diets which just have way too much carbs and way too much sugar. And it's no surprise that there's a, a direct correlation between obesity rates, uh, type 2 diabetes, and uh, refined sugar being in the diet. And I've seen plenty of charts come back to like the 1950s where a lot of these uh, mass-produced foods really hit the market. And there's like a if you look at them, it's like a linear uptick where it goes from very low to very high in terms of the sugar intake. And uh, the correlation between obesity and type 2 diabetes is almost uh, identical to that. And it's no surprise because, as I'm going to talk about, you'll understand the relationship between uh, weight gain, uh, type 2 diabetes, sugar, and insulin in the body. So, I wanted to mention how your body should handle it. Now, one of the problems of having too much sugar in the diet, it's not just that you will likely store it as excess body fat, which could lead to obesity. But it's that the more you expose your body to sugar in the bloodstream, you'll essentially get to a stage where if you're doing it for years and years at a time, you may get away with it uh, for 10, 20, 30 years, but there's a reason why type 2 diabetes is called adult onset, and that is because, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people who've been consuming a lot of sugar for many years, your bodies essentially get desensitized to sugar or be specifically your beta cells in the pancreas uh, lose the sensitivity to actually secrete enough insulin to manage the sugar coming into your body. So not only will your body uh, struggle to store it as fat or use it as fuel, but it, it might lead to a stage where the actual circulating glucose in your bloodstream is elevated and that can cause all sorts problems. So that is going to cause problems such as, uh, like I said, it will make your, your tissues desensitive to insulin. So you get this excess sugar in your bloodstream. And that essentially leads to, it can thicken your blood. That's that's a, a layman's term to way to look at it. And that can affect your blood flow. And it can affect the blood flow particularly in your small capillaries uh, and blood vessels in your extremities, so think things like fingers, toes, feet, those little kind of blood cells that feed into your eyes. So that could lead to things like those uh, blood cells, not blood cells, those blood vessels becoming damaged. And that's why in extreme cases, you might hear of people getting amputations as a result of having type 2 diabetes. And it's just really that the, the blood is, isn't able to flow efficiently to those areas. Uh, it could cause uh, a lack of blood supply. It could lead to things like gangrene, and that's why you'll get infections. You make it sores so it don't heal, uh, and if you're really unlucky, you could get uh, amputations. So, it's—I've uh, certainly heard of amputations of feet. Uh, I've heard of people going blind through uh, diabetic uh, retinopathy. That's where the blood vessels of the eyes get damaged to an extent; it can cause blindness. It uh, can also lead to kidney failure. It can lead to stroke. That's where you get a blockage of, uh, in the, the blood vessels in your, in your brain. Or it could lead to heart disease. I guess ultimately it could lead to like a things like heart attack. Uh, so it's, it's not cool. Uh, and obviously there's a, a direct link between uh, type two diabetes and obesity. And it's often the case that people who develop type two diabetes will be suffering from obesity uh, as well. I should mention though that there is a, a slight uh, genetic component to that where you just might have been fortunate and have a, a, a genetic predisposition to maybe not handling uh, sugar as well as someone else might. And that's another reason why uh, I, I've changed my approach when it comes to nutrition information is that people are just so individual, so you might get somebody who's just lucky to draw where, where metabolisms are really responsive and they can handle sugar and there's no problem to them or you make somebody just super unlucky and it, it just screws them. Uh, now there's also another type of diabetes. It's not all type two. So type two or adult onset diabetes, that is the type of diabetes you tend to get later on in life because your pancreas or the beta cells that's produced insulin essentially get damaged to an extent that they, they, they're unable to perform their function and produce insulin to help take sugar out of your bloodstream. But there's also type one, and that's uh, where the the pancreas or the beta cells get damaged through a, like a an autoimmune reaction, so that insulin can no longer be synthesized by the beta cells. And people who tend to have type one, that's where you hear about people injecting uh, insulin to make up for the fact that their body can't produce it. Uh, type one tends to make up only about ten percent of overall diabetes. For so left there about 90% there which for the large part if it's type 2 diabetes it could actually be avoided to a large extent Uh, and it could be avoided by reducing your sugar intake getting regular exercise uh, and essentially just being aware of the the negative impacts of sugar in your diet Uh, now here's a a scary thing and I, I, I don't always like to scare people it's not something it's not a good way to motivate people, but it freaked me out when I learned about it uh, many years ago is that type, people with type 2 diabetes, on average, that will reduce your life expectancy by 10 years. That's a hell of a long time It's gonna chop off your life. So that, I think, would be good motivation to take stock of your, your nutrition and really make an effort to reduce your sugar intake. So guys, uh, it was a bit of a niggly topic this because I realised that uh, there was potential for me to get tongue tied. Uh, but the takeaway here is that insulin is important. It's important that your body is producing insulin in a healthy manner and that your pancreas is functioning healthily because if it's not doing that and if that blood sugar level is starting to get high and your day to day circulating glucose in your bloodstream is getting higher uh, your blood flow is being affected, your organs are getting desensitized to, to sugars and glucose, that is not good. That could lead to diabetes. It's certainly gonna to lead to potential to get gain weight. It's gonna make your body just work less efficiently and it could take years off of your life. So guys, if you've been listening this far, what I would suggest is try and eliminate processed foods from your diet, get savvy. Look at the back of food levels, identify hidden sugars in your diet uh, and make an effort to reduce it. Now, I'm not saying uh, an all or nothing approach is needed here, but just be aware of it. If you are eating sugar, do it it sparsely. Don't do it too often uh, and just try. And again, it's probably a recommendation but just like a general thing, try and really just source your food from whole, whole meal options, these natural options, things grown in the ground, uh, things that haven't been processed or are mucked about with too much. So guys, thanks for getting this far. Uh, I'm going to sign off now because we're almost at 20 minutes here. But as always, thanks for listening. And if you can take the time just to spread the word and uh, it be good if I could get more people listening and get the get the audience up a wee bit higher. But I'm going to tap out just now. Uh, I'll hopefully be back in a couple of weeks talking about something else probably related to your overall kind of health and well-being. So, thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Bye.